Principal Matters Podcast, episode 313. Hi, friends. This is Will Parker, host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week we bring you innovative, imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. And this week, we're talking about ideas for teacher recruitment and retention, part two, with my special guests, Christy Kirshner and Danny Massey. Christy Kirshner and Danny Massey are education leaders at Brazos Sport Independent School District just south of Houston, Texas, where Christy serves as the Chief Human Resources Officer, and Danny Massey is the Superintendent. Both of them have vast experience in education. Danny, with more than 33 years in public education, 31 of those right there in Brazos Sport. He's also the 2020 Region for Education Service Center Superintendent of the Year, the 2020 Brazos Sport Area Chamber Commerce Man of the Year and the 2020 Ambassador of the Year. And none of that is because he wants me to brag on him, but because his school district has been doing amazing work. And Christy Kirshner has her background in human resources with a degree from Stephen F. Austin University. And she comes into this role after first a career in industry, but now as the human resources director for Brazos Sport ISD. If you joined us last session of Principal Matters podcast, episode 312, I did some longer introductions and we talked specifically about the challenges of teacher shortages across the U.S. and how districts across the U.S. are announcing recruitment partnerships, innovative ideas like apprenticeships. And Danny and Christy shared specifics about the ways that their district has been employing apprenticeships. And I've and I've asked them back for around two because I wanted to dig a little bit deeper with both of you and talk about the ways that your recruitment and retention have enhanced outcomes for students, but also talk a little bit about some of the other partnerships and outcomes that you guys are working on as well. So I, I want to start um, in a place where I left off the last time, you guys have seen amazing retention rates for your paid clinical teachers. And so I, I just wanted to park there again, and, and we may be repeating a little bit of what we said last time, but could you talk a little bit about some of the specific outcomes that you've seen in retention using a, innovative approaches like apprenticeships and paid internships and ghost openings? What, what are some of the outcomes that you've seen with these initiatives? Um, so I think I think you shared um, previously, or Mr. Massey did as well. But um, the clinical teaching um, experience, we've had about a ninety percent retention rate. I mean, I, and you know, I want to share with you that those those universities, these students are not coming from anywhere close. I'm talking about three plus hours away um, for some of them, and so you know, the district took the additional steps to find housing partnerships to really make this, you know, a feasible opportunity for something that is traditionally unpaid, right? So recognizing kind of that industry experience in terms of how interns get paid um, and applying that same logic um, so we could really create the culture and the environment for these future teachers to where whatever those distractions are, that second job or the only paying job they have that happens on the weekend or night um, doesn't take away from the work that they need to do to support um, their own development, but most importantly, our students. And so, um, you know, I think that's huge for them to, you know, when they share back with us about the investment that we've made in them. 
um, in terms of not just salary, um, but also that commitment to their development. I mean, the alignment um, with the high quality mentors is really purposeful. You know, it's not, eh, I'm just going to put you here, right? I and mean, we actually interview um, our clinical teachers. It's probably their first teacher interview ever. And we know they don't have all of the right answers, but it's about the experience. And, and then we also interview our mentor teachers, right? So how, how do we know that this is going to be a great match? And, um, you know, developing those high quality teachers. Um, and so while we see the retention rates in um, our, our clinical teachers, that's kind of led us into that residency and apprenticeship model, um, the support that's actually coming through to support our teachers is also monumental. So in terms of financial, so the stipends for being a clinical mentor, I mean, it's a huge ask to share your space for not only a semester, but potentially up to a whole year, right? And how do you turn over your class um, to somebody that you're just now meeting, especially when you have accountability and all of those other pieces, um, and then to spend that extra time in developing them. Um, but, you know, that extra support, the, the two minds, you know, four hands, all of that in the classroom, what difference the teacher can make um, with even their own instruction with the additional support. I mean, so while it's not only retention with the clinical teacher, I think the impacts are also huge to um, the mentor and then to the campus principal. I mean, they're there for like three weeks and asking a month and saying, you know, Christy, how can I keep them here? Like, I don't want them to go to another campus. Like, let's talk about your openings. Well, I don't have any. So can you hide them? Don't tell anybody about them um, because I want to keep them, you know. And so that culture that's created and that connection and that commitment all the way through campus leadership, district leadership, I think just talks a lot about the value that the district brings. Um, that's not necessarily monetarily that that people get committed to. Thank you. Well, Danny, I wanted to ask you this question too, because you touched on this a little bit in our last session together, but you guys have had a tradition before even this current apprenticeship program of paid internships and available housing. Talk a little bit about that because that was a surprise to me of a district that is being um, forward thinking in terms of trying to connect those that you're inviting to intern with affordable housing while they're interning. Yeah, it's some apartments. It's some uh, partnerships through apartments uh, in our local communities here. Um, we're very fortunate that uh, we live in communities that are highly supportive of public education and very supportive of, of teachers. They value teachers. And so it, we, we just had to go find some people to ask. It really wasn't that difficult to do. And we uh, advertised them on our website also too. And so, yeah, uh, we, we don't have district housing. <laughs> you know, there's some districts who are so remote that do have district housing. So we're not that remote, but, but we do have some um, partnerships with some local apartments that they don't have to pay a, a, a fee to start off, you know, and they give them a discount and they know it's going to, uh, more than likely be temporary. Well, Danny, while I have you, I wanted to ask you a follow-up question too, especially from the leadership position as a superintendent. You mentioned also in session one about your board and how most of them don't have education backgrounds. And I'm just curious uh, as a leader, how did you present this idea or sell these ideas to your own school board? Because this, I mean, based on our conversations about how much you guys have recruited interns and apprenticeships, and you're helping folks finish their degrees, and you've got 70 people in this new apprenticeship program, how, how are you able to 
convince your board that this was worth the investment for moving forward with your school budgets? Well, we ha we have an excellent board of trustees and um, uh, the the superintendent board relationship is critical critical and it's like any other relationship relationship with your spouse relationship with your students relationship with your coworkers uh, you have to have effective communication and so we communicate uh, often and regularly so they know um, uh, what what we're thinking what we're doing what we're wanting to do why we're wanting to do it um, and and then also bringing them along I think it's important. Uh, as superintendents to show board members uh, where where are the successes in the district that they've had an impact on because uh, you know boards are responsible for the governance level you know and when you start getting uh, uh, dysfunctional relationships it's because board members get into the administrative role they get out of their lane you know and so to help help keep so we want to keep them in that governance level but we also want to make sure they understand that hey our students are performing higher at Lanier Middle School I used an example earlier because you were supportive of this $10,000 stipend uh, that we were able to do and look at our student performance now and so I'm always not only uh, real cognizant of effective communication, two-way communication, being uh, setting up opportunities for me to listen to them also too, uh, but but so they can bring ideas to me uh, too. I can say that's where so, uh, several of our uh, innovative um, uh, recruiting strategies came came from board members and came from dis just just discussions with them, not formal discussions, but really more informal discussions with them about, hey, uh, you know, we have uh, a board member that's an executive in a in the financial market, you, you know, and that's where the paid internship idea came from. He's like, you know, in education, that's crazy how these these interns come in, they work all day. We're, you know, we're expecting them to move from home or move mm -hmm. from their university. They work all day. We would never do that. We would never do that to an accounting intern. You, you know, it's like, can, can we look at paying them? You know, that's coming from a board member. Uh, and, and so um, uh, ha having, a, having a real strong board, a board that um, really seeks and pushes uh, creativity and innovative solutions has, has been a real blessing. Our district has really uh, benefited from it. Well, I want to give Principal Matters listeners a little context before I ask this next question. And if you listen to the, our last episode, let me just do a quick summary. Brazos Board ISD, just south of Houston, Texas, is a community that saw the need for more teachers, like so many other places have as well. And you guys have been building ideas toward that for years. You have a what you call ghost hires, where you hire 10 positions throughout the whole year ahead of attrition so that you can already have people on board hired and ready to step into positions that are going to happen because you know they are or placing them in positions where they may be in hold and held in 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 lieu of a position that's opening up you have your grow your own programs um where you have folks that are with earned associates degrees completing their bachelors you have paid university interns who are being paid to do their internships there and having access to to housing and now you have this apprenticeship program that you began just a month ago that has 70 um, people who have signed up that are working as a, in, in parts of cohorts where they're either completing their degree this year or next year or the next, and they're being paid as assistants or paraprofessionals while they're finishing their degrees. 
you guys have so many onboards for opportunities. And, and what I love about it is the comprehensive approach. And so my question, before I ask you about future ideas, Christy, I, I do want to put you on the spot for just a moment. You have a human resources background in industry before stepping into school districts. And, you know, Danny and I both, we've spent our entire careers in education. So I just wanted to ask you from the perspective of someone outside of education, what, what have been some of the eye-opening moments for you that have helped you assist and think about some of these innovative ideas that, that can help schools too? Yeah. So, you know, um, in, in a, in a, the previous life, I did have even some exposure to apprenticeship, um, into some, you know, like INE technician roles and things like that in manufacturing. Um, but really, you know, whenever I first started, um, with Brassport ISD, I mean, the same conversation that Mr. Massey, um, called about, um, from our board member, why aren't we paying them? And I'm like, why aren't we? Right. And so like really taking and transferring that knowledge, I mean, and, and, you know, where I worked previously, I mean, engineers, like you had to have paid engineering opportunities for internships or they weren't looking to come work for you. Right. And so and if you're wanting to hire the best. I mean, those are opportunities. And and what did that look like? And so really kind of transferring um, that knowledge over um, into this space and just from like a functionality perspective, while the, the career, obviously, is completely different, right? Um, but the basic needs as it relates to salary, like where are they going to live? What type of resources do they have? Who's their connection? Who's their mentor? And how intentional is that? is how we can create a successful program. And so, um, you know, when, when, when the board says, you know, why aren't we doing this? You know, we see that as a green light. Well, let's create it, right? And so that's what we've done. And, um, you know, we started with 10, we grow at 30%. Um, and, you know, so it's just, we grow at 30% every year. And so it's just um, really turned out to be amazing. I mean, we now go to recruiting events and they're like, you're the ones who pay for internships. Like we know about you, our friends have been there. And so, you know, now people are looking for us. Um, and so kind of being that destination district is, is really happening because of some of these strategies. Well, and I want to speak to listeners right now too, because I know that as you're listening to this conversation, some of you may be in districts uh, in the in the Texas areas that Danny and Christy are familiar with. Some of you may be in my home state of Oklahoma. Others of you may be from across the U.S. And I know the thoughts that go through my mind when I'm listening to innovative ideas, which is like, well, my district may not have the same funding capacity or my district may not have the same access to um, state funds that other places do. But what I've discovered by my conversations with you all is that you have tried to think outside the box in terms of what are the resources that we have at hand and what are the partnerships that we can create in places where maybe we don't have the resources? And so I'll give a couple of examples that are coming to my mind. Danny, you and I are both friends with Brent Jaco down at Pecos Barstoya ISD out in West Texas. And I had an opportunity to visit his district last summer. And you know what they did through a bond issue? They're building affordable housing for their teacher interns. And so, you know, yes, they don't have it in their funding for teacher salaries, but they just embedded it as a community initiative by creating it as a part, just like they're building a new football field, they're building affordable housing options so that they can do a similar thing to what you guys have been doing, which is providing those 
those um, educators with, with affordable housing options that may not exist, which might cause them to go someplace else. And to those of you that have listeners who may have education foundations, where you have generous supporters and partners that are wanting to, are looking for places to invest money that could go back to teachers directly. I know a lot of the foundation money is used specifically for classroom scholarships and learning, and that's wonderful. But perhaps you need to have a conversation with your foundations about how could we also use these funds for stipends or how could we use them for college tuition incentives or how could we use them to help pay our interns or how could we use them to help maybe um, supplement some of the housing allowances that people have that are stepping in into our entry level teaching position. So I love how you guys have thought so far outside the box, which leads me to um, my next question. And feel free to, to add to those thoughts, Danny, if you or Christy have any other ideas to add to that. But my next question was good, going to be, because I know you're looking forward. I, I, there, I have no doubt the two of you are done with like ideas of ways that you can continue to grow. So as you look forward, what other grants or additional partnerships or ideas are you guys brainstorming even now to attract educators into this field? Well, our next on-ramp, and Christy mentioned uh, on-ramp one, who we which we haven't fully articulated yet. And so uh, hopefully next year we'll be able to get into this as uh, a pathway for our students. And so we have four different pathways. Currently, we have a pathway for a student who has just graduated high school. But so next year, we'll have a pathway uh, um, for our current high school students. And and I've said often, uh, that is where our future teachers are in the seats of our classrooms right now. And so we have a career and technical education pathway right now for education. And so we want to use that in a better way to uh, help uh, produce teachers in Brazosport ISD. And so, and, and also through our partnership with our community college, we have dual credit partnership with them now. And actually our districts and most of the districts, uh, our neighboring districts in our area also pay for our high school students dual credit. And so we, that's something we already do. So it's not an added expense for us. Uh, uh, I've told you before this, uh, this story is, so we have a lot of industry in our area, Dow, BASF, Freeport, liquefied natural gas, ME Global. We have a lot of petrochemical plants in our area. And five years ago, they had this, this, shortage, uh, workforce shortage, and it's a high wage, high need area. And so we've created some pathways starting students in their junior year of high school to go to our local community college. Uh, They have a bachelor's program in process technology. They have an associate's degree in instrumentation technology. And uh, we're paying for that. Us and the college are paying for that. And so, so, you know, we, we looked and said, our own profession, our own profession of education, we don't have a pathway. We're paying for process technology operators and uh, INE people, and we don't have a pathway for our own high need area. And so that's what we're going to create next that I'm really excited about is uh, a pathway for our own students uh, to go through this apprenticeship program and go to our local community college and go through Inspire Texas, uh, the Alt Cert program, and then they will come. They will remain here as educators. So, really excited about that. 
Well, I'm not surprised. Uh, you guys have thought so far and so deeply into the processes of what can make great teachers. Um, I won't be surprised if you call me next time and you're already doing like preschool prep for teacher candidates um, going into the future. But, you know, I'm joking, but I'm, I'm, I'm probably not because you guys are so comprehensive. That's wonderful. Th thinking creatively about those pathways for kids, just like we do in career technology, just as we coach them towards their college plans and ideas. How can we create those pathways right here in our own schools that can embed um, practices with it? I was listening to a, a we have a, a state superintendent uh, candidate we, ours is an elected position in Oklahoma our state superintendent's position is and that election is in November and we have a candidate who's a former teacher of the year named Gina Nelson and she was explaining that she came into teaching because her high school did a program for future teachers and so she got to spend a semester of shadowing with a teacher and she had the opportunity as a high school student to teach her teacher's class as well. And so what a what a way to inspire a young person to think about a career in education. And she, as a result, became a, a theater major and came back into teaching and has taught now for several years, just inspiring kids in her classroom. And of course, now really interested in, in working to continue to help educators across the entire state. But that's where it begins. We, if we can begin with our own kids and inspire them to see the beauty and the joy of education as a career, but also provide the, the resources. Christy, what are other ideas that you're thinking about that you wanted to add to that conversation? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, tagging on to Mr. Massey, I mean, that's a big space, right? Because that's that's the entrance pipeline, you know, from an employer perspective. And so, you know, developing um, that is really important, you know, as it relates to the apprenticeship space and the partnership. Um, we have a lot of work to still do to unlock funding um, to support the initiatives at the federal level, at the state level, um, building those re relationships kind of with the tri-agency. So, you know, helping to build that common understanding of workforce development language, um, you know, with the, the recent announcements, edu education is really new to this space. Mm -hmm. And so um, helping them understand more about us, at least in the state of Texas, I mean, even in the learning from, you know, thought partners across the U.S. and understanding how apprenticeships have developed their, you know, benefited their schools. Um, and so, well, we can work on this at Brazosport ISD. Um, I think it's important that we take the opportunity to share our learnings um, and to and to build that greater understanding, um, because funding is is a big part of of how this can be really successful. And using those relationships to support those efforts, and you know, opening that opportunity up for other districts across the state in the U.S. Um, to enter into the space. So. Well, my last question is, you know, we've talked a lot about the ways that you guys have been innovative in pathways to teaching, but I also want to ask you about retention because, you know, across the nation, teacher shortages have become a major crisis that most schools are facing. And some, I know several folks who started their school year without certain positions filled. So I'm curious what lessons or practices have been helpful for you all that in that have helped you in your own community with not only pathways to teaching, but also keeping good teachers. Yeah, absolutely. We, we know there's 40,000 teachers leaving the profession and only 20,000 entering uh, the profession. So retention is a key strategy. And that starts with the campus climate, mm -hmm. the culture of the campus climate, which begins and ends with the campus leadership. I know this, this mm -hmm. is a podcast, Principal Matters. And uh, our organization is 
uh, we are organized to support campus principles and that everybody in our organization, uh, how we are structured is to support campus principles because they're the key. They're the key. You cannot have a high performing successful school unless you have a, uh, a very strong leader. And so we do a lot of training with our campus leaders. We invest in them. We want them to be highly skilled uh, leaders. It's, it's paramount to, to an effective school uh, climates. Teachers must feel supportive. And so we do a lot of things. You're coming to join us here uh, next month uh, to uh, share some time with our principals. And so uh, we, we uh, do a lot of things uh, to help support and train our, our principals. And teachers must feel supported again. And they must feel like they're a part of a team. We believe we do our best work in teams. And we want to make sure no one feels uh, in, in isolation and that, that they're taking on uh, qualities of highly effective teams also. So I think the other thing that, that we mentioned that, to go back that impacts this too, when we talked about um, our students in the teacher pathway, well, when, when we see that happen, and it, that means we have teachers, current teachers on campus, recruiting current students to go into their profession. Mm -hmm. And so that honors the profession of teaching. And so we know now uh, the, the political and intentional agendas that are out there to bash public education and bash teachers. And so everything that we can do to hold up the profession of teaching is that the honorable profession that it, that it is. There's no better way that than teachers selling kids on this is a great profession, come mm -hmm. do it in your current buildings. And so um, uh, principal, principals, uh, assistant principals, uh, it, it is just, uh, I can't tell you how important that is for teacher retention. And uh, so I'll tell you a story. We had a blue ribbon campus. We had an elementary campus, AP Boydell Elementary, that um, two years ago was selected as a national blue ribbon school. We went to Washington and accepted that. It was a great experience. And so the year after COVID, which was arguably the most difficult year in the history of education in, in our nation. They had 100% retention rate. Not one single teacher left that campus after, after that year. And so uh, why? Because they felt a part of something. They, they like their campus principal. Their campus principal uh, supports them. She values them. They make sure they're going through the PLC process. They, they work as a team. Um, they, 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 they feel extremely supported uh, by her 100% retention. I, I mean, it, it's unbelievable. And, and I, remind, I, I remind my team, my cabinet team, our director sometimes is that we as central office administrators, we didn't have a large part into that. That was the campus principle. That is the campus principle is why those teachers all stayed there. Uh, and so again, uh, that, that, that's very important uh, for us. I think the other thing that we're excited about that we're doing this year to help with retention, the other thing that we learned about uh, with COVID is that it just exposed the need for self-care. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know your book, um, uh, Pause, Breathe, Flourish, is, is a lot about that. I've read it. I encourage the listeners to read it. It's an excellent book. Matter of fact, you're coming down to do a session on that book. 
but just how much self-care is needed. And so we started a wellness initiative this year for all of our employees. Uh, we're going to have a um, 5K next Saturday, our first ever 5K run walk. And, and so we have over uh, 400 people signed up for it. But along with that, we're having a wellness fair in, in the gym of our, uh, our high school. And so we've got a lot of vendors that are, that are going to be there to give our uh, staff discounts and uh, tips and, and all kinds of things regarding uh, wellness with this. And we actually hired a person to help coordinate our benefits and wellness initiatives. So that's another piece of our wellness initiative is uh, we changed insurance providers and benefits providers uh, from what we had been using to try to customize and personalize our uh, benefits for our employees. So we're really excited about that. We've, we've, we've got a lot of things that we're gonna do this year and continue to do in regard to wellness and self-care uh, for our employees. And then the other thing I would share with you too uh, regarding that is we have a program what's called Local Perks and it's uh, businesses. We're up to 70 local businesses, restaurants, uh, auto dealerships, apartments, oil change, uh, fitness gyms, uh, just every type of business that you can imagine. Give uh, BI, Bradsport ISD employees a discount uh, mm -hmm. for, for being an educator. You know, how another way to honor uh, being uh, an educator or being a public school teacher, uh, how cool is that? And so they get a decal. The business gets a decal that they put out in front of their window uh, that says we are a Bradsport ISD local perks provider. And so uh, that, that's, that's another way that our community shows just how supportive they are. You know, it's, you know, it's a $2 discount uh, for a haircut maybe, you know, and it's really much more about than just the $2 you save. It's about really having a business that stands out uh, in the, on their win, window seal that says, we support Brasport ISD educators. Danny, Massey and Christy Kirshner. I know that if I was a principal matters listener right now, I would seriously be thinking about a career change. I'd be like Brazos Fort ISD is the place. And so I know that there's going to be some folks listening right now that are like stealing some great ideas for your schools. But I also know there may be some folks who are going to be emailing you guys and saying, uh, any openings for those campus leader positions or other places? Because you guys are doing innovative, creative, forward-thinking, richly, deeply investing in your community. So just kudos. Thank you guys so much for taking the opportunity to share so deeply. I know that um, asking you to do two sessions for Principal Matters listeners was a was a generous ask on my part for, for both of you and a big part of your own day. So thank you guys both for taking time from your crazy busy schedule and sharing out with others the wonderful things that are happening in your community. And Principal Matters listeners, I just want to encourage you to go back to share this, share these episodes with folks within your own community, share them with your teachers, share them with other education leaders. And then when you have time to breathe, because I know when you're managing schools, sometimes you don't have time to breathe, but when you have time to breathe, go back and listen again and just find one thing, one thing from these conversations that you're like, you know, that might work here. 
and then do that one thing. And then after you've done that one thing, go back and listen again and find another thing because there's going to be other ideas that you have too. But I, just like we did last session, I wanted to uh, allow listeners to connect with both of you. So Christy and Danny, would you mind letting folks know again how they can reach out to you, communicate with you, apply for a position at your district? Christy, what's your contact info? Yeah, thank you. Uh, Christy.Kirshner at brazosportisd.net. Um, our HR page on our website, brazosportisd.net, also has a lot of exciting information. We'll be launching information about the apprenticeship program as well, and also our contact information. So. And Danny Massey? Yes, uh, my email is also uh, on our website, brazosportisd.net, and I'm also active on Twitter, so certainly you can message me on Twitter, uh, at Danny Massey 44 and it's been an honor for us. Uh, yeah. uh, again, I'm a, I'm a regular listener of the podcast. And so congratulations on your 300th podcast. And so it was really an honor for us to be on 312 and 313. So thank yeah. you, Will, for all that you do. Well, thank you guys. And I am looking forward to being with your leaders October 5th. And so those of you that are listening at the time of this recording, or maybe you're going to listen after that event has happened as well. If you're in the Houston area and you want to reach out for a hello, or if you're in the Brazos sport area and you're listening to this, then please, uh, please connect and let us know that you've been benefiting and, and getting value from our time together. Well, Christine, Danny, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. And Principal Matters listeners, thank you for doing what matters. And we'll talk to you next week. You can find free resources like this one at my website at williamdparker.com.